last week, Rose, my spousal unit, uh, told me that as she was coming home from Highland Hills uh, after school one day, <clears throat> that uh, a, a deputy sheriff's car just happened to pull in behind her, just not paying attention, just driving, you know, behind her. And uh, she later said, I wonder why I feel like he's watching everything I do. And I said, well, maybe because it's your texting and driving drunk and swerving all over the road. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, clearly, I didn't say that. Otherwise, I'd be dead. So here I am. We can look at uh, the sixth of seven churches today, the church in Philadelphia. So turn in your Bible to the book that is right before Maps. That's the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus, the one that we see in Revelation chapter 1, is the one who is speaking to these Christians in Philadelphia. Now, he is uh, letting them know that they need zero correction from him. Only one other of the seven churches have received no correction from Jesus, but Philadelphia is one of the few churches that receive zero correction from Jesus. Now, are the Christians in Philadelphia perfect? Well, no, they're not. Then, if they're not perfect, then why didn't Jesus need to pull them over and give them a warning or a ticket? If they're not perfect, then why didn't Jesus need to do something? So, since I'm wondering that you and I are traveling down this highway of life and we're not perfect either, are we living in such a way that Jesus doesn't feel the need to pull us over from time to time? Would you like to live that way? But if I'm honest, are there times and like maybe one or two things in my life where Jesus might actually need to turn on the lights and pull me over and say, hey, you know, there's a couple of things I've been wanting to talk to you about because you really need to work on them. Or, well, would you like to live in such a way that Jesus like the Philadelphia Christians, Jesus had to offer them no correction. So this prayer to Jesus may be something that's what you want. And it goes like, I'd like to live in such a way, Jesus, that you don't feel the need to correct me. Would you like to live that way? If you do, then go ahead and just say, I agree with that prayer. Just, just say the prayer yourself. Is it even possible to live this way where Jesus doesn't need to correct us? Well, obviously it is because that's what he did with the Christians in the city of Philadelphia. Now, I'm kind of wondering, if I'm really truthful, do I want this kind of relationship where Jesus doesn't need to correct me? And so as I'm thinking about 
having a relationship where Jesus doesn't need to correct me, then what does that mean for me? What does that mean that I need to do ahead of time to change? What's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? How am I going to have to live differently so that Jesus doesn't have to talk to me about things I need to do differently? So there's a price that do I really want to pay that price? What motivated the Philadelphia Christians to where they lived where they didn't need any correction? Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. This is Jesus speaking. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. It seems to me that the Philadelphia Christians have this opinion of Jesus that he is holy and true. He is the guy that has the power that can open a door no one can shut, that can shut a door that nobody can open. And because he is holy and because he is powerful, then they find him worthy of their worship. And the thing is, when we find Jesus worthy of worship, then that makes a difference on how we act when we consider that Jesus is really worshipful. How much do you revere, respect, and obey Jesus? Do you consider him holy such that your thinking of him as holy makes a difference in how you live day in and day out? The reason that Jesus doesn't pull us over for things we do is because he has ushered in God's grace. God's grace is something that he has done for us through Jesus, that he has given us things we do not deserve, like forgiveness, his spirit living in us, eternal life. God's grace to us is a gift. That being said, can there be problems with receiving God's grace? God is gracious to us. He has given us his grace. Can there be problems with him giving to us his grace? The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. He says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Oh, I can make God's grace more plentiful if I sin. Are there times where God has spoken to you, God's Spirit has communicated to you, nudged you through a song, through a word, through reading, somebody says something, that God, it's clear to you that God wants you to do something or he wants you to not do something. Now, whenever God communicates to you that he wants you to do something, but it's something you don't want to do, do you go ahead and do what he wants you to do even though you don't want to do it anyway? Do you go ahead and do that? Or are there times when God says, I want you to behave this way. And so I, I need you to behave this way. And so then do you go ahead and try to make excuses 
and say, well, God, they treated me this way, so I deserve to do that. Or this happened to me in the situation or this money situation is going on. And there are reasons as to why I need to be able to do this way. Or does God ever communicate to you that he wants you to behave a certain way? And though we may not come up with these words, I, I don't really want to do it that way, God. I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do. And because you've given me your grace through Jesus, then after I do this, I'm going to come back and ask you to forgive me. There's a problem with grace. You've never done anything like that, have you? Have you ever abused God's grace? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so the question comes to mind, how can we continue then to live in sin? The obvious answer to me is we choose to do so. Jesus resumes speaking to the Philadelphia Christians and he notes their weakness. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So he acknowledges their weakness and that they continued to follow him. That was Jesus. The Apostle Paul, again. We're going to wind up in a minute in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As the Apostle Paul traveled and spoke about Jesus and passionately told people about Jesus, how he could change their life, somewhere along the way, Paul had given to him in his terminology, given to him a thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what thorn, that thorn in the flesh was. Was it some sort of physical ailment? Was Paul handicapped? Did he have a vision problem? Was the thorn in the flesh given to him by Satan or was it given to him by God? People for centuries have talked about that because it doesn't specifically say in God's word what it is. That's what we don't know, what the thorn in the flesh was. What we do know is the weakness that Paul experienced. He didn't use that weakness as an excuse to bail on doing what he needed to do and being who he needed to be. He didn't abuse God's grace. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says this. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul, therefore, Paul continues... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
Anybody in love with weaknesses? Not I. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight or I am content in weaknesses, in insults. I'm content in hardships and persecutions. Are you content in difficulties? For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is it possible? How is it stinking possible that when I am weak, Jesus can be strong in me and through me? How is that possible? Whether one is a super mature Christian or whether one is a baby Christian and just starting out the journey for both of those, mature Christian, baby Christian, I I think the requirement by Jesus is the same. When we are determined, when we have sold out to Jesus, when we have made up our mind that regardless of what happens, regardless of how weak I am, regardless of those weaknesses, insults, difficulties, I am going to be following Jesus, period. Will we do then this resisting perfectly? We will not. That's why God's grace kicks in. But should you and I honestly, on a daily basis, be resisting sin better than we are? You know the answer to the question for yourself. Should you? Here's another great promise. This promise is a two-edged sword. I'll explain that in a moment. But this is a super great promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. This way, the way I like. It means that I can withstand any temptation, however difficult, that's coming my way. This way I don't like. That means that God has made it possible for me to resist and he expects me to resist. It's a great promise, but there's some obligation on our part. It's an amazing promise that I don't have to give in. So given that it's possible that God has made it that I can resist temptations, How well do you resist temptation during opposition and trials and difficulties and weaknesses? And when people are against you, Revelation Jesus continues, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So a couple of things about this. I think this particular promise about these people coming and bowing down before the Philadelphia Christians is just for them. Okay, I think think that's true. And I think it happened then. 
I think, however, in principle, this is true for us. That when we, like the Philadelphia Christians, are standing and holding on and are not giving in, I think, as he did for those people, that Jesus will come to our aid and do the same for us. And that he will fight on our behalf if we let him. If we let him fight on our behalf, if we ask him, if we, live in, if we ask him to come and to fight on our behalf. So Jesus continues with what he'll do. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So the Philadelphia Christians' determination to be faithful even during weakness allowed them to escape an especially forthcoming tough time. Is it possible? Is it possible for you and I because we're not like the Philadelphia Christians, because we don't endure patiently, is it possible that we miss out on some blessings that Jesus has for us that he can't give to us because we're not enduring patiently? We can't handle them. We would misuse those gifts that he gives to us. Is it possible there are blessings God wants to give to you, but because the way you live, he can't give them to you? I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Jesus is expecting these Philadelphia Christians to invest their lives in holding on. You and I know that salvation is free, but Jesus expects us to be sold out to him. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. And so when Jesus is talking about making them pillars and writing his name on them, what he is saying basically, they belong to Jesus. That's what he's saying. They belong to Jesus. Let's say that God has made it possible for you to interview 10 people, 10 people that have died. It's not some seance garbage, which is we're not talking real people, but he has given you permission to conduct 10 interviews, five with people, that have gone to heaven, five with people that have gone to hell. In the course of your speaking with these 10 people, do you suppose that these people, what they have experienced and where they are now, do you think that they would encourage us to have a different perspective on how we live now than the perspective we somehow 
at some times have because they've seen things that we've not seen. And so they have a great viewpoint of how would they have said, you know, if I could do it over again, I would. would they say to us now, well, you can before you can't do anything because of my perspective. I see that this would be a good thing for you. With their perspective, their perspective would be different, would it not? And what has Jesus said in verse 11? I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. How can we hold on? We can hold on when we have the perspective of eternity. When we know things from Jesus' point of view, and we understand his perspective on this life, and we begin to live that way, soliciting his input and doing what he says and going along with his direction. When we follow his eternal perspective now, it makes a tremendous difference in how you and I, when we're weak and things aren't working out right, it makes a difference how we hold on. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And Jesus says, if you're smart, you'll pay attention to what I say. That's basically what he says. Okay, three wrap-up questions. Question number one. Does your behavior clearly show that you treat Jesus as holy? When we treat Jesus as holy... It makes a tremendous difference in how we live. Question two. Do you sometimes use your humanity, your weakness, as an excuse to not do what God wants you to do? Number three. When things don't go your way, are you enduring patiently or do you get ticked to God because he's not fixing things of these three questions if you and God were to have a dialogue right now and he says I really want you to, to think about this and to work on this which of these three would God want you to be looking at this week Would you bow your head, please? If you would like to discuss anything about the message or you like prayer, or you would like someone to talk to you about becoming a Christian or how you can get stronger and endure when things are rough, when you exit this room and go into the lobby if you take a right, you will find a next steps sign. And by that next steps sign, someone will be there. And you can go talk to them, and they, you and they can go down to a room that's private, and you can talk or pray, and they can pray with you.
If you're watching online and you have any questions about anything that's mentioned, you want to become a Christian or you want to know how to get stronger and hold on better, then if you get in touch with us with the information on the screen, then we will get in touch with you no later than tomorrow. Father, thank you that you are more interested in helping us rather than you are in pulling us over. Thank you that you want us to be strong and withstand temptations. Thank you for your forgiveness. And though we don't deserve it, thank you for your amazing and continuing grace. May God, we see every day this life from your eternal perspective. May we look at things through your eyes so that we can behave now and make a difference in this life for you. God, I am not strong. God, I need your help and your spirit to be alive in me that I will be smart enough to respond instantly to what you call. And God, may that be true of all of us that when you communicate to our hearts that we would listen, not ignore, not excuse, not argue, but that we will immediately respond to your call. May we do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.